This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. How are we doing? Yes, thank you for whoever was like, I'm good. Everyone else is just crickets. Yo, this is tough. It's, it's not easy just to talk and you're like, how are we doing? And then nothing. It's like, forget it, I'm out of here. You know? This is, uh, this is, not, this is not easy. It's a little, little back and forth. I like that. I appreciate it. You know? Over here, we okay. Jared, you're not good? Shaking his head? No? All right. Okay. There we go. Thank you, Kate. I appreciate that. Good gracious, people. We got to wake up or something. I realize the Aggies lost, but it's not that big a deal. I know everybody loves A&M here, um, but it's not that big a deal. It's, it's okay. So First uh, John chapter 2 is where we're going to be. Uh, we are working our way through First John. If you're new to Austin Life, um, the bulk of what we aim to do is just teach through the books of the Bible. Um, if it's up to me, there's a lot of verses and passages that, that when I read, I'm like, uh, I don't know what to do with this. I would just skip it and not preach it. Um, but, but we believe that, that God's word, all of it matters. And so we just want to preach through it as often as we can. Uh, and then mixed in there, we'll, we'll have some different, you know, topical series or, or uh, you know, seasonal theme type things, right? So we'll go through First John. Uh, and then after that, we're planning on doing a series uh, on God's design for sexuality. Um, sexuality in our culture has just straight up been hijacked um, by the devil. Uh, and so we want to talk about what is God's design for it? How did he create us? Uh, and, and go from there. Uh, but that would be in the spring sometime. Uh, and so uh, then we'll, we'll probably actually do first, second, and third John, uh, and then that. But uh, that gives you just a heads up of, of where we will be for a while. But today, 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 and 6. Um, have you ever questioned uh, something that you have, like if it's legit, like the real thing? Um, yes? Oh, that came out quick. Okay. You, you want to you tell us? No? You're good? You wanna, okay. You know, may, maybe, it's, uh, yeah, maybe it's an item, like you went and bought something, but you're like, is this a real Rolex? I don't know. The guy pulled it out of his jacket. It was 40 bucks. But maybe, I don't know. Um, I, has, has anybody ever done that? Been like, I'm going to get this thing. Is like, he popped his trunk and he's got like a briefcase full of, Jared's like, again, he's like, yes, that's the story of my life. Um, you know, and so maybe you're questioning, like, is this thing, did I just get hosed or is this the real deal? Like, did I buy something legit? Um, I, I'm a what ifer. I will what if myself to death sometimes. Like, but what if, what if that wasn't real? Hmm. You know, maybe you've thought that way with a relationship. You know, like, is this, is, this the per, is this the one? Which, let me just, maybe we'll touch on this in God's design, but um, there is no one. That's a myth. So if you're, like, looking around for the one, uh, it doesn't exist. He, she, there, there's, there's many. There's many options, okay? Um, so if you're like, who's the one? Somebody throughout the course of history messed that up, and now the whole, the whole, the whole thing is gone, right? So, um, but, but maybe you've questioned, like, is this the right person for me? What if this is not the right person for me to marry? That was my question for a long time with Stephanie. Um, nothing to do with her. I was just a boy, and boys are really slow. <laughs> Takes us a while to catch up with. I see a lot of men like, yes, that is true. You think typically the ladies, but, you know, that's a good sign. Way to go, guys. You're, you're recognizing um, but I was like, what if, what if this goes bad? What if there's, what if this isn't real? You know, like, how do I know? Um, anybody else, or what, like, Elser, anybody else a what ifer? Let's, thank you, thank you, awesome. There we go, we got some participation here going. Yeah, you know, and you can just wonder, like, but what if I got it wrong? 
What, it, what if I should have gone right and instead I went left? What if I should have gone to this college? What if I should have had this major? What's the right thing? What's real? What's true? And it can be miserable to live in that place of uncertainty, of doubt, of like, is this going to work out or, or not? Um, what about with our relationship with God? You ever questioned if, if this relationship with God you have is legit? If it's real, yes, Laura, thank you for chiming in. I love that. Yeah, I mean, I, I did too. You know, and yet John is talking in the first chapter here, right? He's, he says we're proclaiming Jesus, he says in verse 3, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. He's like, hey, the purpose or the reason I'm giving you this letter is so that you may have fellowship with God and with his church, so that you can have a real relationship with God. Y'all, let, let me just hop on my soapbox for a second. Here's one of the problems that I think we have with, with our relationship with God, right? Is A, is a thoughtlessness toward him. We spend 99% of our days inputting things that have nothing to do with God, and we're like, man, why don't I know God very well? Well, it's because we know Instagram really well right? There's only so much capacity within us, and we're putting 95% into our lives that's not God. We're going to struggle to know God when all he gets is 5%. Just a little soapbox, just a little something there for us, right? But there's this gap, right? Like God is there, and, and we don't touch him, right? And we don't, he's not like, like I don't see him. And, and we, we struggle with that gap of, of there, and God is there, and I'm here, and there's, how do we know him? And in between that is all kinds of questions and doubts and uncertainties, and, and that's hard. That, that, that's tough, and yet John is like, no, no, we want you to have fellowship with God, real, like a real fellowship and relationship with, with God. And yet, I, 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 I've had many questions and doubts. When I was seven, I, I prayed this prayer, um, asking Jesus into my heart. Maybe some of you have prayed a similar prayer, right? You, you were told, um, I don't want to speak for you. I was told, like, hey, you don't want to go to hell because hell is terrible. You want to go to heaven. And so ask Jesus into your heart, and, and you'll go to heaven. And I was like, yes, please. I don't want to go to hell forever. Um, and so I prayed this prayer. But from seven to 15, eight years, I remember it. I was always afraid, what if I got it wrong? Right, like this is eternity. And, and we used to have all these preachers that would do this amazing job of like describing how long eternity is. I remember one illustration, I think I said it recently, right? Where this preacher was like, imagine this bronze ball as big as the world. And you're like, okay, that's a big, that's a big bronze ball. And he says, and imagine once a year a dove flies by and just brushes that, that ball with its wing. As soon as this dove disintegrates that ball down to nothing, that's the beginning of eternity. You don't want to go to hell, do you? It's like, oh my gosh, no, right? And so, like, we would just have this picture painted of like, man, I don't want to go to hell. And so I prayed this prayer, but then I was always afraid. Like, what if I got it wrong? Right? What, if, what if I'm not really a Christian? You know, what, what if, what if, what if, what if? Um, anyone else ever had a question like that? You know, you, you're, you're reading the Bible and you're like, dude, these people seem to like actually talk with God and hear back from him and I'm not, I'm not getting that. I, am I missing something? Is something off? Is something not right? How do we know? How do we know? How do we know if we know him? 
Well, John tells us in chapter 2, verses 3 through 6, he says, And by this we know that we have come to know him. Right? Like this is, by this we know that we have come to know him. Whoever, sorry, we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. All right, this is straight from the Bible. Verse 3, 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. And by this, what is this? By this we know that we have come to know him. What is this? If we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word... In him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. He's repeating himself, right? By this we know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. I saw, actually saw heads nodding with me in this one. And I know it's, it's true for, for us and many others that there's just this question, do I really know him? Do I really have fellowship with him? What if, what if I missed it? What if I got it wrong? And, and if it's not you, it's someone you know. But, but I, think, I think for many of us, we, we have that doubt and that fear, that uncertainty, and that's a miserable way to live. A question mark, do I really know him? And John tells us how we can know if we know him. How we can be certain. And he says that those who know him are in him and they keep his commandments. Those who really know God, have a real relationship with him, are, are united with him, are in him, and then naturally they keep his commandments. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Knowing God, having a relationship with God is being in Jesus. What, what the heck does that mean? Right? That, that's point number one. Point number two, and therefore those who truly know him keep his commandments. Walk as Jesus walked. So, so let's hit that first point. What does it mean to, to know God, to be in him? We see John say the, the same thing three times using different phrases, right? In verse three, it says that we have come to know him. In, in verse um, in verse 5, sorry, ver, yeah, into verse 5, by this we may know that we are in him, right? So know him, in him, verse 6, whoever abides in him, right? So we see three different ways that John is describing someone who has fellowship with God. You, you know God, you're in him, you abide in him. All, all are saying the same thing. Someone that has a real connection, a real relationship with God, with the, the living God of the world, the one who we sang reigns, is, is in control, is sovereign, is on his throne, does see us, is present among us. Here's how you know if you have a relationship with him. The Bible says those who, who genuinely have a, a connection with God are in Jesus. And that's, that's a massive theological statement. There's so much packed in that phrase, in him. The Bible says that, that those who are in him are, are something entirely new. 2 Corinthians 5, it says if anyone is in Christ, let me see if y'all can see that. There's that phrase, right? If anyone is in Christ, 
He is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. So any one of us, if we are in Christ, then there's something entirely new about us. Something entirely different than there was be, beforehand. And so what is, what is Paul talking about in Corinthians? What is John talking about in 1 John? What does it mean for you or for me to be in him, to know him, to abide in him? In, in John 3, uh, Jesus has a conversation with a man by the name of Nicodemus. And Jesus tells Nicodemus something that, that my guess is you and I have probably heard before, but if you're Nicodemus, this is brand new information. And Jesus tells Nicodemus that for anyone to inherit the kingdom of God, another way to say, have fellowship with God, be in connection with him, have a relationship with him. For anyone to inherit the kingdom of God, you must be born again. Right, so again, Yes, no, have you heard that phrase before, be born again? So, so several of us. Okay, imagine you've never heard that. You're a grown man and Jesus is telling you, hey, to have a relationship with God, you've got to be born again. Nicodemus' response is, hey, time out, Jesus. Do you want me to, like, re-enter my mother's womb? What are you talking about? Fair question, right? Like, Never heard that phrase before, and you're thinking, okay, I have a birthday, I was born, you want me to be born again? How do I, how do I go backwards and do this over? What are you talking about? And Jesus says, no, no, John, for someone to inherit the kingdom of God and have a relationship with God, you've got to be born by water and by spirit. Water's talking about the physical birth. You're physically born, you have a literal birth date. But to be born by spirit is for your spirit to be born, to be given life. You see, we're physically born, March 27th, 1983, right? That's when I was physically born. My spirit came alive when I was 15. Couldn't tell you the year. I don't know. Somebody do the math, right? I was physically born by water, March 27th, 1983. My spirit was born when I was 15, and so that makes me something incredibly new. And when I am born by my spirit, when my spirit comes alive, I am now in Jesus. I find my life in Jesus. You know, I want to, I want to try to explain this more because there, there is, th this, this has a ton of theological weight. So, Charlie, Will, will you help me out here? We're gonna, we're gonna pull out the trusty handy dandy whiteboard. It's been about three weeks, I think, or something. Um, and so uh, we, we gotta pull this bad boy out. Let's do it. What? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, okay, well, oh, let's turn, you, you're gonna come this way, we'll turn it around. It, it, it's not a secret. This is nothing uh, new. All right, oh my gosh, shocker, shocker. Shocker, okay. I love it. I love it. It's great, man. We're just doing this together, right? We're having a great time. Okay. All right. So um, I didn't mean for these to be back here, but that's okay. That's okay. So we're going to talk through what does it mean to be in Jesus. Now, if you've been here for like four weeks or more, you've probably seen this, right? This is, I'm a visual learner. This is a way for my brain to, to grasp what's written. Like I, I, it makes more sense to me, right? So in the beginning, let's go to Genesis 1. Oh, hey. 
Sorry. No? Here? That's good. Is that good? Yeah? Okay. Center it up. In the beginning, Genesis 1 says, God created the heavens and the earth. Right? We're not going to go through every verse. The Bible teaches us that God has always existed. He is eternal. Right? And that God has existed as one God, but in three persons. Right? You've got one God exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And for all of eternity, God has existed in giving love to himself. The Father gives love to the Son. The Son gives love to the Spirit. The Spirit to the Father and in every which direction. And so in God himself, this is why the Bible says that in his presence is the fullness of life. We are all looking for a relationship like this. Right? That's what we look for with people is a relationship of, of fulfillment and giving love and service and glory and praise and humility. Right? There's no sin. There's no taking. There's no selfishness. None of that exists in who God is. Now when God, before he created the world, here, here's a key piece, right? Which, which uh, we've said this before, but it's got to sink in. God did not need us. Right? God was not sad or lonely or lacking in praise. He didn't need someone to fill up his glory. He had that in perfection just within himself. Right? Which is good news because if God needs something from us, that's a lot of weight on our shoulders. And it also really lowers God to our level. No, no. God created us to share in this divine communion. Where he created the world to walk and live in his presence. That's why Psalm 1611 says the fullness of life, the fullness of joy is in his presence. That's how the world was created. That's what our purpose is for, is to live in fellowship. That's what 1 John is talking about, to live in a relationship with God. Here's the deal. I don't have to like really explain this because we all know it. This does not exist perfectly, right? Right? We all know that something has gone wrong and something is broken in between our connection, our relationship with God. And we see that in Genesis chapter 3, right? Where Adam and Eve sin. They decide to go their own way to find fulfillment and satisfaction. God says, hey, don't eat of this tree. And Adam and Eve are like, God, we know better than you. We're going to eat of this tree. We're going to chase life our own way, the way that we see as best. That's what sin is. Anytime you and I go a way that's opposite of God, think that is different than God, love that is different than God, right? It is us believing that something is better than God. And that's called sin. And what that did is it broke that relationship between Adam and Eve and the rest of us. We all know that we are not perfect and we've fallen short of this perfect relationship. We all know that we have not loved God perfectly, that we not, have not worshiped God perfectly, that we have not humbled ourselves perfectly. Right? We've broken that relationship because of sin. That is why there is a desire in us for more. That's why there's a, a discontentment with, within us for more happiness and more joy and more fulfillment. That's why we are chasing things to fill us because how we were created was broken. We, we walked away from it. But the Bible says that God is rich in love and mercy. 
right? When, when I have a human relationship and that person chooses to betray me and walk away, it's not very often that I'm going to go, you know what? I'm going to go after you. I'm going to keep pursuing you. I'm going to keep coming after you in love. You broke this. You betrayed it. You still don't want anything with me, and yet I'm going to love you and come after you. Right? Any, y'all, y'all feel, you know what I'm saying there? And yet the Bible says God loves us and created a way for our relationship, our fellowship, to what First John is talking about, to be restored, for us to have fellowship with him and to know that we have fellowship with him. How? What did God do? Jesus, the son, humbled himself. Which I just bought this, like literally. Oh, you're welcome. It's the wrong one. Jesus himself, God himself, humbled himself and came and lived among us as one of us. Right? Christmas is coming up. Christmas is not about presents. Christmas is not about Santa Claus. Christmas is about the fact that God himself came and lived as one of us to give us the greatest gift of all time, which is eternal life in him. Right? Let's remind ourselves what Christmas is, and, and let's do what we can to point to that gift. Jesus, the king, did not owe us anything, did not have to do anything, and yet he chose to come and live the perfect life that we were supposed to live. No brokenness in his connection with the Father. He lived that for us. Then Jesus dies on the cross so that the punishment for our sins could be placed on him. Right? We all care. We talked about this last week. We owed God a perfect white sheet to be perfectly in the light. Our record, our piece of paper, man, we got stuff all over it. We got a record of sin all over it. Jesus died so that our record of sin could be nailed to the cross and taken off of us. And then in his resurrection, Jesus is alive today, able to offer us the exchange. He takes our sin, gives us his righteousness, and we can be rejoined, reconciled into fellowship with God. Jesus comes to fix this gap that we broke. You tracking with me? You with me? How does that happen? Does it just happen for everybody? Is everybody just a Christian? Here's the deal. If I came up here and I had gifts for everybody, right? I just had this little, I'm like, hey, I got a gift for everybody. How, how, do, you, how do you get the, did, did you buy the gift? No. Did you earn the gift? No. I'm just giving you a gift. But how did you get it? You have to actually receive the gift, right? If you don't receive the gift and you just walk out, do do you have the gift? No, right? If if someone's like, ah, I don't want to wait in line, right? It's a big line or whatever. And they just take off. Well, they they don't have, just because someone offers a gift, it doesn't mean everybody receives it. And so the way we receive this gift of life is not by our works, it's not by earning it, it's by faith. It's by trusting in Jesus. Now, now here's the thing, 10 out of 10 of us, that, that means everybody, 100% of us, 100% of everybody in, in Austin, in Texas, in the world, we are all trusting in something. There's, all, there's something that we believe to be our hope and our answer and, and, and the way to the fullness of life. Every single one of us. Let me grab some colors here. Right, so, so we're sitting here living life and we're all chasing 
fullness, all of us. Some of us, man, we're gonna go this route, and we think that success, if we can just get success, like that's where life is found. And we're gonna grind and grind and grind until we get to the top of the ladder, and once we get to whatever that mark is, that's where we think, okay, I can breathe and I'm gonna find life, right? Others of us, man, we're going to choose, we're gonna chase pleasure, right? If it feels good, if it, if it makes me feel like I think I'm supposed to feel, right, that's the answer. I'm finding my own way and I'm charting my own course of life and, and man, this is, this is the way to go. It's just whatever, may, I'm gonna try anything that makes me feel good and then I'll finally find it, right? Other people, let's see, they're going to chase after religion. You know, I, I want to feel good. I want to be a good person. Being a good and moral person, that, that's the answer. And, and, and because God is good, if I'm good, then we're good, right? And we're going to be a good religious person. I mean, we can just fill it in, right? Where everybody's chasing something, money or, or relationship or Fill it in. Now here's the thing. Trust is a belief that moves you to action. All of us are moving somewhere. Until we're dead, we're, we're moving towards something. Whatever it is that we internally have faith in, believe to be true, our life will move towards. If it's money, our life will move towards that. If it's a relationship, our life will move towards that. Whatever it is that we trust in, that we have faith in, that we believe in, we are in that thing, and our life is following it. So what the Bible says is if we believe that Jesus is the answer, that Jesus is what leads us to life, just like if I believe success, my life is going to follow that way. If I believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, if I believe Jesus is the answer, if I believe that Jesus, by his death and resurrection, gives me eternal life, right? Now, I am in Jesus, and I am going his way. I am following him. I am in Jesus, just like I could be in success or in pleasure, I, my faith puts me in on a path towards something. It unites me with that. It connects me with that. So when I trust Jesus and believe that he is the way, then I am in Christ. And what the Bible also tells me is that when I trust him, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of me, making me something entirely new a new creation. When I choose to be in Christ and I, by faith, trust him, his spirit comes and lives in me, making me a totally new creation. You cannot separate and pull the spirit out of me. You cannot move me out of the spirit. We are two, now one. Thus, I am in Jesus by his Holy Spirit sealing me and protecting me and keeping me as his. And with that, Ephesians 1 says that for those who are in Christ, all of the spiritual blessings of the heavenly places are now mine in Jesus. That the love the Father has for the Son, Jesus, is now on me, because I'm in Jesus. 
that the, the glory that the Father wants to give to the Son, he wants to give to me, that it will come through me because of Jesus in me. Right, that the, the blessings that the Father has to, for the Son, that the Holy Spirit, the power that the Spirit gives to the Son, it's now in me because I'm in Jesus. There's a power that we have in Christ. There's a freedom that we have in Christ. If it's in Jesus, by faith it's now in me. Not because of my works, not because of my earning, but because of him in me. And so John is like, hey, to have fellowship with him is to be in Jesus. It's to be united to Jesus. That's how we have fellowship with God, by faith in Jesus. You with me? We, we, we there? Okay. Now let me ask you this. Let's say each color represents a person. And you were to ask, which one of these is in Jesus? Which one? Which color? Green. Why green? That's <laughs> fair, fair. But, but looking at the board, why did you pick the green one and not the red one? It points to God. It's, it's going the way of Jesus, right? If I were to say the red one's in Jesus, what, would you say yes or no? No. If, if person purple's like, I'm in Jesus, what are you saying? Ah, I think you might be a liar and the truth might not be in you. That's what John said. That's what John said. I'm just saying what John said. Why? Because we can see the evidence, the fruit of a person that is walking as Jesus walked, that is following the way of Jesus. John says, how do we know that we know God? How do I know that I know God? I am in Jesus and I am keeping his commands. I am, into verse six, walking in the same way in which he walked. The green person is the one that's in Jesus because he's walking the way of Jesus. Whereas blue and red and purple, while these things may not be sinful in and of themselves, those are people chasing and pursuing, walking a different way. As the old saying says, the proof is in the pudding, right? We know, we know, that's actually, it's like the, the proof of the pudding is in the eating is the technical phrase, but that's too many words, right? How do you know that it's pudding? You eat, you eat it, and then you're like, oh, that's pudding, right? The evidence is there, it's, there's fruit. How do you know it's an apple tree? There's apples, right? If, if I've got a tree outside and there's oranges on it, and I'm like, ha that's an apple tree. Liar, right? Liar and a thief, no, right? You know it's an apple tree because of the fruit, and John is saying, we know that someone is a Christian. You can know that you know him based on the fruit that comes out of your life, based on the commandments and the way with which we are walking. That, that is what John is saying. That's how we know. Now, when I read this, some questions surface for me. First question is like, well, that's a lot of, that, that, that's a lot of weight on my obedience, like that's, putting, that's pointing to my obedience as, as a lot. Is it my obedience that's required for my fellowship? Do I have to be obedient to God in order to be in Jesus and to have a relationship with God? And the Bible would say no. 
Obedience is the result of fellowship. It is not what earns fellowship. Obedience is the natural fruit of a relationship with God. It is not the fruit that produces the relationship. Tim Keller wrote in, in his book, you know, that the religion says I obey, therefore I'm accepted. The gospel says I am accepted in Jesus, therefore I obey. Right, so we see this and we see in verse three, this is, and by this we know that we have come to know him. Right, that we have, this is how we know that that relationship has already begun. We keep his commandments. The, the obedience is simply the natural outflow of someone going the way of Jesus. And we go the way of Jesus because we trust that Jesus is the answer. We believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Right? I go the way of success because I believe that that's the route of life. I go the way of pleasure because I believe, right? So it's faith, it's belief that then moves our body and our lives to go. We are all going somewhere. We're all on the trajectory towards something. John is saying, look at your life and ask, where am I going? What is my life pointing towards? Is it pointing towards the way of Jesus or is it pointing towards the way of myself? Am I, am I eager to obey him or am I eager to obey something else? That's how John is telling us that we can know him. The next question I ask is, okay, if, if, no, if keeping his commandments, if obedience is, is kind of the test, what do I do when I know I'm not being so obedient? Mm-hmm, come on with it, yep. What do I do when I've, I've stumbled in ways that I literally never thought I would? Like, what do I do when, man, I'm right back in that pit, just that junk. If, if I'm supposed to look at, at obedience and I'm looking at myself and I'm like, that's not very much obedience right now, how do I, how do I, how do I know? How can I be certain that I'm in him if I'm looking at my life and going, okay, keep his commandments, shoot. A few years ago, I spent some, some good bit of time in, in therapy. And, and she gave me an illustration that was really helpful for me. Let's flip this bad boy around. Oh, no. I got this. We're good. So I was you know, meeting with her to, to really pursue some healing just in my life. And, and I'd had a bad week and I was super frustrated because I just felt like I had taken like not just like a step or two, but like some massive steps backwards. And, and really I was just like, I, I don't feel like, I, I don't feel hopeful that I'm, that I'm moving in the right direction, that I'm, that I'm healing. And so she drew up this diagram for me and she was like, okay, this is where you are wanting to go. You are wanting healing, right? You're wanting to pursue here and, and here's where you are, right? And so you're like, I'm here, I want to get to healing. Anyone else ever have anything in life where you're like, man, this is where I am, but I sure do hope that I get there. I am tired of this, and I want to be free of this, and it's, this is dark, I want light, like, come on. It, we, we got some people with me? Great. And so I was just super frustrated. So I was like, this week has sucked, and, and I feel like I am just worse off, and like I'm not, I'm not moving towards healing. And she said, she drew, drew this out. And she said, 
when we're looking at our journey in anything, we can't look at the moment by moment. We've got to look at the bigger picture. Because if I look at my journey of healing in this moment, right, where it's down and backwards, that's pretty darn frustrating. And especially if this loop is kind of big, right, it, it feels hopeless. It feels like I'm not moving in the right direction. But if I ask myself, okay, today, am I further along than where I started, which could be three months, five months, six months, and I can say, well, yeah, I'm further along than I was six months ago, then I'm still on the journey of healing, even though the moment that I come into her office is pretty low and pretty crappy. Is it making sense? God has grace for us in those moments. And if we look at our life and we go, in this moment when I just dropped the ball right of my faith and I screwed up royally and I look at the moment, then I might go, I, I don't know that I'm saved. I don't know that I have fellowship with God. But if I step back and I look at the overall trajectory of my life, I can say, okay, yeah, this moment sucks, but what history shows me is that I'm willing to confess and repent and get back on track. And if I stay the course and I'm willing to confess and repent again, I'm willing to keep doing the work, that, that, that I'm going to, to keep moving up and to the right. And so when we're looking at it, we're going, okay, I, keep his commandments, right? Walk as he walked. Th there's, there's grace. This person is walking towards healing even though there's multiple dips along the way. And, and so really the journey of us knowing God, let's see if we can do this, right? Our journey, I mean, it's just, it's just this, right? It's not, it's not a straight line. And so John's like, are you keeping his commandments? And by that when you're like, I, no, I'm not, I'm not keeping his commandments right now. The question to ask is, are you willing to confess and repent and get back on track? Is there a willingness and a desire to obey him, even though in the moment you fell? Even though in the moment you're like, man, I didn't, I didn't keep his commandments. I didn't keep his commandments for, shoot, a week straight, a month straight. You know, something like that, right? Are you, when it's brought to your attention, are you willing to go, no, no, Jesus, you are my Lord. I will confess this. I will remove it, and I will repent. I will return back. It, John's talking about that trajectory of your life. He's asking the big picture. Today, right now, do you have fellowship with him? How do you know? Are you desiring and willing to follow after him in his ways? And when the Holy Spirit brings to you a time of confession and there's that sin that comes to mind, are you willing to say, oh my gosh, gross. No, let me get rid of that and return. Let me confess and return. The, the growth of a Christian, the evidence of a Christian, when I look at your life, is not perfection. It's will you respond well when you stumble? Will you respond well to the way of Jesus? If there's something in our life where we're unwilling to submit to the way of Jesus, that's when we can start asking, do I really know him? 
Because if I'm unwilling to submit this thing, this area, this dark sin, I'm trying to walk to God with the paper of Jesus and still my paper. With his righteousness and my darkness. And John tells us to know him is to walk in the light as he is in the light. That is in perfection. I cannot walk up to God and say, man, I choose Jesus, but I also choose my sin. And so that's the question we're getting at here is, okay, do you know him? Okay, do you keep his commandments? Well, not perfectly. <laughs> Me neither. Great place for us to all work on this together. Are you willing, though, to not settle and stay there? We say often, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to find yourself in one of those down dips. It is not okay to stay there. For your own good and for the glory of God. And if you're like, no, I'm gonna stay here. I'm not letting this go. I'm not gonna repent. I'm not gonna get on the right track. That's when you start asking, do you really know grace? Have you really encountered Jesus? This is what John tells us. In the rest of the book, really, he, we're gonna talk a lot more about the commandments of God. What does it look like? But a couple, as I was just praying, like, okay, God, what, what are these commandments that we are to follow, right? There, there's a lot of commandments that, that we're given. And I was thinking about us as a church, and I was like, man, what are the, what are the commandments that I feel like you have for us right now? And, and a couple came to mind. One is John 15, abide in me. It's a, it's a command from Jesus, abide in me. I think about Mary and Martha, right? Remember that story? Jesus comes to town and man, Martha's over there fretting and worrying and stressed out, like trying to get dinner together and clean up the kitchen and stuff. And she's just freaking out, right? And Jesus is like, Martha, my gracious girl, you are anxious and troubled by many things. And I was like, preach, come on, that's us. That is our culture, anxious and troubled by many things. Not Mary. Mary's not anxious. Why? Because she's just sitting with Jesus. She's just spending time with Jesus. And Jesus like, you've got to abide in me for apart from me you can do nothing. And here's the deal, I said it at the beginning, we, we do a great job of abiding in our, our TikTok reels or our jobs or our sports teams or going out with friends. And those aren't bad things. But but we're abiding in those and we're not abiding in Jesus. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll toss five minutes at Jesus and be like, good, thanks, homie. And then we'll go do our thing, right? <laughs> that's, that's some shallow abiding. That's not, that's not deep roots. And so y'all, this is for me too. I got a busy life too. I mean, I got all these children that want me to like take them to school or something, right? Take them to dance. They just smile. He's like, no, don't take us to school. It, it gets busy. I mean, but am I willing to do whatever it takes to abide in Jesus? And so I just think, God, y'all, for our own growth, right? What's gonna see the most growth for us on this journey? Because one day in heaven we'll be here and the journey will be complete, right? That's not even true, actually. Scratch that, back up. We're always gonna be knowing God more. Like we're never gonna be complete, but, but we won't have sin to deal with. We're not gonna, we're gonna, have, to have, we're not gonna have that to deal with. Hey, come on, right? But, but we're always gonna know God more. But in this world, in this life, what's gonna take us the most is abiding in Jesus. 
It is putting on and putting in Jesus, right? It's Romans 13, 14, 13, 12, mid-teens, somewhere in there, right? Where he's like, you know, um, um, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh, right? There's a bottle of water there. Something is in that water. If I put water in it, it displaces air, right? If I put rocks in it, it displaces water. When you put something in, it displaces what was there, right? If I put in Jesus, it pushes out space for other stuff. But if I put in other stuff, guess what it's pushing out? Jesus. So we, what are we putting into our life? We've got to abide in him. Have to. The second, that, that's a command of Jesus. A lot of times when we think of confessing and repenting, we think about the sins, like, oh no, I did that, I should confess and repent. Sometimes we need to confess about not doing what Jesus told us to do. Jesus, you told me to abide in you, and Dad gummit, I was lazy and selfish, I am confessing to you, and I'm repenting. Like, I look at us here, people, and look, we're all sinful, but I think more so than repenting of the, the bad things, I think we need to repent of the good things we're not doing. Matthew 28, a command from our King and Savior. If you follow Jesus, he is your Lord. We have surrendered all to him, is to go and make disciples. We don't want to write down on a piece of paper and turn it in the last time we shared our faith with someone because it will embarrass us. It will embarrass me. And yet it is a command from my Savior. It's not optional. Hey, now I'm gonna let somebody else do that, Jesus. Nope. We need to confess that and repent. And a mark, how we know we know him is a willingness to do so. We don't have to sit in guilt. We just have to go, God, I was wrong. Here we go, let's go, let's pick it back up again. As a church, I think we're doing a decent job of discipling one another. Be real candid, we're not doing a great job of discipling those outside of the church. I, I, I just don't see the evidence, right? How do we know? How many people are we baptizing right now? Right, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If, we, if we're walking with people to know Jesus, we're going to see more of that happening. And so I just look at that myself too, right? And go, all right, God, Jesus, you, tell, you command me to do that. And you tell me in 1 John here to keep your commandments. We don't need to be guilty about this for all. We just need to say, all right, let's go. Jesus, you're my king. I'm following, let's go. Those are just two of the ones. Another one, and I was gonna save this for the member meeting next week, is, is Romans 15, 7. I don't need to fit. Romans 15, 7. Um, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us. Over the, over the last, I don't know, timeline, year, I've heard from multiple people say, man, my first experience wasn't very welcoming at Austin Life. That, that they came in, it wasn't rude, but everyone seemed to, to have their people, and, and, and then we weren't, we weren't welcoming new people in. We were forgetting that at one point we were the outsiders and people welcomed us in and then we got comfortable and we stopped welcoming new people in. And, and so like I, I mean, I've just heard this from multiple people and, and yet the command of Romans 15, 7 is to welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us in. Y'all, here's the deal. We were the outsiders to Jesus and he welcomed us in. He pulled up a chair at the table for us. If we are not welcoming others, we're forgetting to see our spot that we were the outsider welcomed in. And so we're coming, it's just something we don't even feel guilty about. We just need to confess and repent and say, all right, Jesus, you welcomed me. I'm gonna welcome others the same way you did me. So I think we gotta, 
Man, I, I say this frequently. You see a face around here, you don't know their name, they don't know yours either. Go introduce yourself. Right? Let, let's, let's get to know one another. Let's welcome each other in. Community groups, man, in our homes, someone new comes. Man, I talked to you last week. Get out of here. Hey, right? Like, let's go welcome people in the same way Jesus welcomed us. Those are just some of the commands that I was just, as I was thinking, I was like, all right, God, I feel like this is for us right now. Another day, it may be something different, but that's just what I sense God telling us. How do we know? How do we know? How do you know right now? Do you desire to follow him? Do you desire to walk the way that Jesus walked? And when you don't, when you step out of line, are you willing to repent and return to him? That's how we know for his. That's how we know if his spirit is in us, moving us closer and closer towards him. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church Podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.